millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to The Art Detective with me, Dr. Yanina Ramirez. I'm an Oxford art historian, a broadcaster and a writer, but most importantly, I'm your chief investigator of images. Big one today, listeners. Bit of a legend sat next to me right now. Dear friend, and I don't know how I managed to get you here, but I have, Mark Gatiss. Hello. Legend. I got the bus. Yeah, you got the bus. That's how you physically got here. (laughs) Um, Everybody knows you. For many, many reasons, you are right up there amongst uh, national treasures. But you are Sherlock. You're responsible for Sherlock, Christy Sherlock. Um, League of Gentlemen, which is where I first fell in love with you and your work. Uh, And you write and you perform and you've been in everything. Every time I turn on my television, you pop up in some weird guise. So it would (laughs) seem. I'm going to do the news next and then I'll stop. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> then you'll have been everywhere. Yeah. Um, what are you working on at the moment? Are we allowed to know? Yes, I am co-writing Dracula with Stephen Moffat. And we're working on the League of Gentlemen tour, which starts in the summer. Uh, first time back together. We're on the road for 12 years, uh, which is very exciting. Very it nostalgic. is ridiculously exciting. I have my tickets booked. I am good. I cannot wait. I'm going to smuggle some art references into it. Oh, do, just for me, <laughs> just as a teaser. When you're in Oxford, smuggle some art in. You and I have been, well, we first met a long time ago, if you recall, mm. at a BBC4, it was sort of a sweetener dinner, wasn't it? I thought they were going to tell us at that point the whole channel was being axed. Yeah, it felt like, I, I thought it was one of those things where you meet up and go, oh my God, we're all dead. <laughs> it was a bit, uh, okay, it felt a bit weird. All the BBC4 presenters. Yes. And I do, <laughs> what I remember very well was there was one guy who, they asked for complete candour. What's What can we do? What are your problems with the channel? And one guy got very drunk and told the truth. And then about half an hour later, he said, I think I'm going to have to go and repair some damage because the last thing he was doing, of course, is tell the truth. He was so drunk. (laughs) He was hysterically drunk, but he was brilliant. I've not not seen him again on the channel. He was lovely. But, um, but, you know, my lasting memory. So I'd only made one programme at that stage. I was a newbie, new kid on the block. And I went into this table of all these legends and I saw you. And I'd been, I think I'd been re-watching League of Gentlemen like the night before or something. And it was like reality and dream collide. And I went and I think we sat opposite each other. And I'm like, oh my God, that's Mark Gates over the table. You looked up, you got all big eye and you went, 
oh my god, you're that Yanina Ramirez from the television. Correct. <laughs> nearly died. Oh, it was one of the good most. Good to know. It was one of the most. Messy I would like just watch your program, whatever it was, the oh, first one. Ble- really? Oh I must have done one. Otherwise, I wouldn't. No, have no. Been. I think you just just watched it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, it was lovely. So that's where we met. Good. But, uh, in the meantime, we've discovered we both love horror. Um, and I adore Hammer Horrors, and you're my you're my go-to for recommendations. My, I think my favourite thing I've ever seen on BBC Four was your your horror series. Mm. Um, that's it really informed you a lot, hasn't it? What was it? Fossils, <laughs> Hammer Horror, and Doctor Who are your somewhere your DNA. A Venn diagram of there those is. things. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, and uh, you know that documentary was a it was one of those things you can't you know it's, BBC Bristol approached me and said, do you want to do it? Would would you do a History of horror movies. I went, oh, um, <laughs> yes, uh, but it's irresistible. But actually, I, I owe it a great deal because, in that way, that your tastes do change. I'd I drifted away from horror quite a lot uh, in a sort of straightforward way, you know, in terms of what contemporary horror was, and definitely going to see lots of horror films and stuff like that. And I, I rediscovered my love for it by doing that show, and also found out a lot of stuff I'd never known or, um, you know, and some of the uh, the more obscure European films, which well, I've never the, seen. Well, that was Horror Europa, Europa, wasn't it? Yeah, was a standalone. Yeah. That was my favourite. Yeah, but I mean, the, the, those films, those Mario Bava films, which we, which I'd only ever really seen a handful of, or they were, they were, they existed as black and white stills when I was a child. And you just go, what is that? Barbara Steele, who I interviewed, you know, who's a legend of European horror movies. But I remember looking at her picture going, but who who is this woman? Because we never saw her. Yeah, she yeah, wasn't yeah. she wasn't present. And now some of the some of those films are amongst my absolute favourites because they are much more transgressive yeah. than we were doing over here. They actually make Hammer much as I love it. They make Hammer look quite quaint. Absolutely, they are very dark, very odd. Oh, and mm. and some of the I mean they're very discomforting, aren't mm. they? I mean mm. Hammer put, puts you on the edge of your seats. This makes your head screw upside down. And yeah. and the look as well. I mean what I loved about those all of the documentaries, but Hammer Europe in particular was um, the, the aesthetic you managed to get in the cinematography with that wonderful sort of muted colours and then the bursts of your blue suit or the burst of the red. It was very very cleverly done to look. It's all about art, Nina. Oh my God, Mark, your eye. <laughs> You've got such an eye. Uh, no, but it was very, very awesome. As you know, I loved it. Uh, horror. And uh, I, so when I said to you, will you do an art detective? I didn't know what you were going to come back with, really. I was waiting to see. You came back with some incredible, diverse choices. I should also add at this point as well, one of the other communications we've had recently, you've been sending me images of your paintings and you are good. You are ridiculously good. I think I wrote back and went bloody good. How long have you been painting? Well, I've always, uh, I've always loved art. I've always drawn, and I started painting about twenty years ago. I think I just, I just, I've always, I love going to galleries, and I'm very drawn to the history of art mm. and all kinds of different aspects from people's personalities and lives. I love portraits particularly. Your, that's what I thought. Your portrait show is incredible. You. Not, You've but, done a still, of, it was just a, a, a close-up. It was, was it the John Milton one that you'd done? Was it like a... John Milton, yeah. John Milton, yeah, sorry, yeah. With, the, with the charcoal. Yes, That yeah. was incredible. Thank you. Really delicate, really good. But but um, but then I, you know, I didn't know if I could really do it and then I, I started but I've, it's been very intermittent but recently I've really got back into it I find it incredibly therapeutic it is isn't it and uh, it takes you somewhere else doesn't it but but I just I just try and I just want to get better all the time and I love the I love what it does it sort of it scratches at a creative itch 
you can get to the end of a day and you feel like you've really done something. But um, it uses a different part of your brain somehow. I think, I I feel exactly the same. I don't get nearly enough time to paint. Mm. But there is something, when you're a creative person and you're writing particularly, when you're making words and you're thinking and you're working through material and research, painting is still incredibly productive and you still as a creative person feel you're doing. Mm. But you're right, there is this, this sort of, clearing of the mind yeah. that takes place yeah. and you're doing something so technical and hand and skilled with your yeah. hands yeah yeah it's a hand-eye thing and mm. it, i find that very interesting like it's the only thing that can make me forget a cup of tea oh i make a cup of tea and i'll turn around and realize it's gone cold and i've forgotten it that's that would you forget a cocktail though Oh, yes. My, oh, no. yes. Tea, tea is much <laughs> less likely to happen than a cocktail. Well, uh, yeah, so, I mean, I'm so delighted <laughs> to hear that. Could, it, it was a real revelation to me that, that A, that you painted, but, but B, that you have this sort of rich appreciation for art. You've been working on a documentary just recently. Yes, but uh, John Minton, who's my favourite painter, is a 40s and 50s painter, and uh, I've always loved his pictures. I own three of them. And, um, oh! You know, <laughs> I, I have been to Christie's before. <laughs> Uh, but uh, as you can see, I have this arm and this leg are missing uh, from my visit to Christie's. Um, and I made the documentary off my own back because I couldn't get anyone interested. He's cause quite an obscure figure. But happily, the BBC then retrospectively commissioned it. So it's on BBC Four. But it was a real labour of love and I had to shoot it over many, many months and, and try and keep my hair the same. And all all oh, the continuity okay. things that you normally don't worry about because you sort of do, obviously, In you tend to do this. Yeah, but yeah. it wasn't, it took... The weather, and I chose this sort of outfit, which in in the spring of last year, which yep. I was which I was wearing by the Thames in November. Absolutely, going, I've been there. It's crazy, <laughs> nice, uh, boiling hot in the uh, yeah. in the summer, freezing cold in the winter. But it's awful for continuity. Um, but no, that's I'm really excited about mm. that. So that's that sort of art history, art context. You're obviously applying that in the art that you're making, but but you've got very diverse and eclectic tastes. When when we sort of started to hone in on what we were going to talk about. We, we dallied with Velasquez, we were going to do a bit of Caravaggio, who will pop up. Mm. But you went a bit more Baroque and a bit more obscure. What were your choices and why? Well, it's like Desert Island Disc, it is, isn't, isn't it? it? Uh, well, I don't know. I just, I mean, trying to narrow something down is very difficult. And you sort of go, well, what do I like today? Exactly. Or, mood, mood. Yeah. Like mood music. What's your favourite song today? Some of them pictures I always go back to. And that's always a good sign, isn't it? If you sort of find yourself drifting through the National Gallery or going back to the same picture, there's something speaking to you. Absolutely. The first one, though, is in the Met, I believe. Uh, and yep. it's called... It is in the Met. It is called... The uh, Fortune Teller. Yeah. By Georges de la Tour. And I think I'd seen some of his pictures before. They're very distinctive, uh, very curious. Everyone has a, a very similar sort of wide-eyed face. Mm. Um and I, well, I just love the story. It's very Caravaggio-esque. It is, and it's definitely influenced by Caravaggio's uh, picture, the, the the card sharps. Mm-hmm. But it's just a fantastic story. It's a young man being diddled mm-hmm. by a gypsy fortune teller. She's he's uh, she's taking his money or crossing his palm with silver, whilst his purse is being lifted from his buff jerkin. But I love the I love the side eye of yeah. the woman next to him. This one. Amazing character face of, of the of the fortune teller herself and his kind of I mean he's just so green isn't he his, his face is so smooth absolutely um, it's a beautiful picture and I love the colour I love yeah. I'm, I'm the older I get the more I love colour I kind of you know you as I say you go in phases yeah. don't you and and my my, his, my my taste in horror has altered completely I, my f- absolute favourite thing always are, are ghost stories but I 
I, I have I, I'm so squeamish now. Seriously, can't stand it. I can't. Some some stuff I I could bear when I was fourteen. I can't look at. So you can't do gore, or you can't do fear. Oh no, fear is fine. <laughs> it's gore. It's gore. I can't stand it. Yeah. And but then in a funny kind of way, having been you know, uh, all my when I was when I was a kid, all my favorite bands were like Ultravox and John Fox and Bauhaus. I was, Why I, does that know, not surprise you? Yeah, me yeah. Are? But no, but I love I love color. I love color, and I love it in art, especially. I kind of. I really respond to it to cheers me up. I mean, well, that's, what, that's actually up. what intrigued me about your choices. They are incredibly bright mm. um, and and textured as well. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we were talking about Caravaggio because, of course, they've got tenebrism. You've got such extreme ends of light and dark. It's not even chiaroscuro anymore. It's like actual yeah. shadows. Whereas this, I think that, that this is a bright picture. It says it's in it's it, you know the influence of Caravaggio is clearly there and, and you know we know that they that he was looking at his work for inspiration but I see this as almost an antithesis it glows mm, it zings mm, mm. with color and light. Mm. Um, but I like that I think and I yeah. think it's it's a it's a daytime scene isn't it there's extraordinary color in it it's sort of corals almost. Well this is it I think this color around here yeah. but, but again the contrasts with the the color on the sleeve of the old gypsy lady over there, it's almost a clash. Yeah, it could be really uncomfortable, but in the hands of a great painter, yeah. it's actually formed beautiful partitions and structure lines. Yes, that, the, the composition is fantastic. Yeah, takes you straight down to the hand into the pocket. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. the center point is the hand here. I mean, we've got this action, which is the crossing of the palm with the with the silver. You know, this is both symbolic of the fact he wants his fortune read. But it's also that he's going to be robbed. Yeah. <laughs> he's being, and he's been robbed in the most one of the most hysterical ways. I find this this is like a three way robbing. <laughs> but he's also, and it's worth saying, and and is a, is a recurring theme in many of my favorite pictures. He's quite dishy, isn't he? He's well, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'll give you that. He's got good hair. He has got very very nice hair. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Um, but, of course, one thing we've both discovered doing a little bit more reading around this 
is this by George Delatour? Well, shall we get into yes. our surprise discovery? Yes. Well, so context. It's currently uh, this is currently in the, the Met. Met, yeah, and it was purchased. In, it was discovered in 1960, yeah. rediscovered, rediscovered, technically rediscovered, signed, and the Met paid lots of money for it, and it is recognised as an original. Mm. But we've just been reading mm. that there's some controversy, isn't there? Well, quite recently, yes, quite recent controversy, someone alleging it was faked in the 20s along with several. And the more that De La Tour became popular, the more of them seemed to... Be discovered. Funnily enough, because yeah. he was totally, he was not a popular artist, mm. right up, as you say, till the 1920s. And then the, this flavour starts, mm. and he, his work starts to reach higher and higher higher marks. And then we get miraculous discovery. Oh, look, it's just a, a priest or a picture of a photograph a of an in image somewhere. in a castle. Yeah. But one, but it's one thing to allege that, but now they can, they can test how old the paint is, surely. Okay. I've, well, I've watched all. I've watched fake off. You've fortune. watched fake off fortune. I know you've how this seen is them peeling away the left. Um, <laughs> well, this is this is just the, the tip of the iceberg mm. with with his work, isn't it? Because um, the other one that I've pulled up is the cheat, mm. which is probably his most famous work, and it is a fabulous picture. I mean, again, I think the things you've chosen are really interesting because they're seventeenth century paintings, but they're not. They're completely secular. They're sort yeah, of yeah. about. Uh, I mean, in this case, it's it's almost the sort of the edge of of the establishment, the edge of where it becomes slightly decadent and deviant. Mm. So it's gambling, it's drinking, it's fortune telling, it's gypsies. It's just sort of on the edges of society, isn't it? But this one is particularly problematic because there are, in fact, three mm. versions slash copies of the cheat. Which, you know, again, of course, is, is a familiar thing in terms of studio copies. Right. Or uh, pupils, pupils doing it, exactly. and then the face is done by the master, etc. So it's not. But then, but because of this forgery allegation, it starts to then look. Hmm, this is very interesting. I have to say, I I prefer. I think that the fortune tellers is a better picture. So if it is a fake, I prefer the forger. Do you? To George well, this is, this is something we need to discuss actually. But I, I just wanted to give the context because we were both reading up about it. Obviously, mm. uh, the English art historian Christopher Wright published *The Art of the Forger* in 1984. And it claims that the Met's fortune teller, along with other works attributed to Latour, is actually forgeries of the 1920s artist and restorer Emile Delobre. So you actually know who your yeah, forger is. I, he's, he's my like. favourite painter. He's your favourite painter. Yeah. He's, he's just that. jumped to the top. <laughs> um, but what was so funny when I was um, reading about these three different versions? <laughs> Sorry, I must stop laughing because this is this is a very in joke. But apparently on the Louvre copy, in the um, collar of yes. one of the women, it's, it's written, Merde. Yeah. <laughs> Shit. And they believed it and took it off. I know. <laughs> but what if that was de la Tour's joke? Well, this is it. It's all very... It's all very bizarre. I'm going to use a nice word. It's murky. Well, it? this is something I've just, <laughs> as I was saying to you, I have been rather outspoken recently about my feelings about uh, multi, multi-million pound artworks changing hands and the... Uh, it, it leaves me cold a lot of the time because yeah, there's this Mondigliani's just gone for what's it 150 mm. today, um, and we're still reeling from Salvador Mundi from the Leonardo, and the price tags are just going ridiculous mm. now. Mm. But one of the things you were saying is <laughs> fake or fortune. You this recent Which exhibition, you like. yeah, yeah. Um, I find it fascinating that there's a uh, those uh, Van Meegeren, and um, the the fake Vermeers. Um, when you look at them now, they're, they're just terrible. <laughs> you think, 
Well, it makes you question at what at what stage do you actually believe people? Because <laughs> how anyone could have fallen for those? <laughs> there, there are some seriously bad ones. But, you know, um, uh, Sean Greenlee, who was the Bolton forger mm. with the shed and did the amazing alabaster. He did everything and he's, mm. he's a good friend. I know him. And I think he's an extraordinary artist. Yeah. And this is, again, that borderline between at what point is the work of the forger to be considered art? Because if that's a forgery, I it's a think bloody at, good art. I think at the point of which they go to prison. Oh, yeah. You know. oh, but I like, you know, <laughs> there's something great about that, isn't there? But there's, there's do you know an article called Mark Beard? Mm. No, he, he's fascinating because he wasn't selling. So he decided to invent a persona, yes. Bruce Sargent, who he claims to be descended from, who is sort of crossed between John Singer Sargent and Bruce Weber. And he paints in the style of a, an early 20th century American homoeroticist. And then he invented a persona of the man who taught him, who, te- who paints in a different way, and then an, a pupil who's slightly later in the century. They all sell for thousands. Dear God, I did and not know that. Oh, it's, they're brilliant. They're brilliant. Well, I love the art, but I didn't mm. know the backstory. But that, yeah. I mean, that's it. Oh. But then, again, yeah, it's this borderline, isn't it? Mm. It's, it's, um, and as we were saying earlier, I mean, it's something that people like Warhol were, were flagging up so clearly with things like the factory. But you have schools. You have teams of mm. collaborative artists. Mm. You know, a Rembrandt is not just a Rembrandt. It's the school of Rembrandt because, as you say, someone's doing all the boring grass in the foreground. Rembrandt sweeps in, sticks a gorgeous face on it. And it's but then also, you know, when you look at um, restorers, yeah. these people are amazing. They're otherwise, artists. Otherwise, they would not be doing it. So <laughs> when, you, when you look, and I was watching a thing about... Um, the, uh, the the suffragettes attacking the picture of Henry James in the National Gallery, which is a beautiful sergeant picture, it's really badly damaged. It's not now. Mm-hmm. So someone had the incredible talent to be able to completely ventriloquise sergeant mm-hmm. so to the extent where you just don't know anymore. It's you know? so it is so yeah. the edges are so blurry, mm. and we've ended up with names carrying the 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 value, mm. uh, but actually you know, our eyes can judge value. Yeah. We we can be like yeah. you say, you know that. The copies of the Vermeer don't look right. And if you look carefully enough, I mean, there is something that is is clearly distinctive about Latour's style. Yeah. And you're right, it's the faces, it's the side eyes, which are just extraordinary, yeah. aren't they? Um, but there is a sort of mask-like quality mm. that only his works capture. Mm. Uh, they're, they're sort of fixed, frontally posed, like they're performing in a play or something. And there's something, I mean, the, the cost, I mean, it's hard to say from this distance, isn't it? But the costumes do feel heightened. They, there's something slightly kind of fancy dress about yeah, them. Yeah, theatrical. All. But then, you know, that also, that Rembrandt, as you mentioned, Rembrandt's studio is just full of amazing props. Exactly. It's like, well, put, put, I go, I'm going to get a tramp and I'm going <laughs> to dress him as a king. Yeah. Put yeah. this ermine. Um, that's what they did. So of course they did. from this distance, it's almost impossible to tell. And I, and I, I hate it when people have extremely kind of dis, sort of, um, they, they, they're very definite about it must be this. Absolutely. You know, I, I have this problem all the time when I'm making anything set in the past. There's always a historical advisor, uh, which is cost great and fine, but they'll tell you that this is how people bowed. This is how people danced particularly. Oh, yeah. And you go, what about the people who were shit at it? <laughs> What or a, the ones who were so maverick yeah. that they just danced like no one was yeah. watching. Everyone, everyone's hair was this length. Yeah. No, it, no, it wasn't. Because some people didn't give a monkey. Yeah. And you're not allowed to. It's like a terrible sort of orthodoxy about yeah. it. And in the same way from this distance, you look at these wonderful p- painters and their strange lives and they're obviously bohemian and curious lives. 
all kinds of things Absolutely. might come into it. You know? Well, you'll like this phrase. I, I use this a lot with my students. It's a great little word, multivalence, mm. which is uh, the coexistence of multiple interpretations and meanings. Oh, I like Where that. one does not erode the other. And there's constantly Yes, yes, exactly. There's room for everything. There's room for everything. Yeah. There's room for multiple interpretations. And then... You know, there's that whole layer of what we bring to it as people and viewers ourselves. There's a very a wonderful story about Orson Welles' film, The Lady from Shanghai. <clears throat> very curious film. It's the one that with Rita Hayworth ends with The Hall of Mirrors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a mad film, beautifully shot, odd. And there's a very strange scene where they go to have a picnic in sort of in the jungle on the side of it. It's really curious. But there's, there's a massive close-up of a macaw and thing just going... And people have written reams of essays about what this means. And then someone asked Wells about a year before he died, and he said, I just thought maybe the audience needed to wake up around then. <laughs> and that's all it is. The symbolism. You know? Yeah, no, it's a representation of death. Yes. <laughs> It's clearly dare. Uh, no, I love all that. I love, yeah, I love misreadings as much as I like mm. real readings. Um, but yeah, so I think we, we, can, oh, we can obviously overinterpret. I think what this is is a pleasurable cuckolding of a sexy young man <laughs> by gypsy ladies. Um, I love I love the fact that, you know, one is cutting the thread on his bed yeah. on his bed. The other one's got a hand getting the wallet out at the back. It's it's a proper mugging, but yeah. he's oblivious. It's a lovely story. I just think it's a gorgeous picture. It is a gorgeous picture. It's a very, very good choice. Um but I want to get on to a couple of your other choices. So we talked we, we wanted to talk about forgery. Um one of the things that's interesting of course uh, about his style is that it's it's widely said that he's influenced by Caravaggio. Um, and this is, again, I, I brought in another example, Joseph the Carpenter, 1642, because he's reputed to be the master of candlelight and nighttime oh. light at this stage. Um, and you can see that, can't you? But look at the face. It's still, yeah, it's still got the quality, still isn't it? still that curious shape, still isn't it? still that weird yeah. But not so much shape. on Joseph, actually. He's That's quite realistic. And in fact, yeah. actually, if you look at the cheat again as well, while the woman and the these characters, he's got yes, a right realism true. in his that's turn, true. hasn't he? So that's he's interesting, isn't it? I wonder if that, well. unless that's someone else. Well, that looks fake now, don't you think? That looks fake. Don't you think? Because it, yes, cause oh, it's less... It just mm. looks wrong, doesn't it? Anyway, we can, we can... They'll probably take that out like nail. Yeah. They'll just... <laughs> just <laughs> that face is bad. Wipe, get the tip Get the white out. spirit out, yes. <laughs> Cover it over. Um, but yes, yeah, so Caravaggio is looming heavy. And one of the things... I mean, Caravaggio is a complete swine. Again, if we were talking about artists' lives influencing their oh, art. Oh, yes. Good grief. Murderer. Actually, An actual, actual murderer. murderer. No, you don't get many of those. An else. actual murderer, yeah, yeah. yes. Uh, but he can't do blood, we were saying. Can't we? So we're yes, looking currently... At his Judith Beheading Holofnes, which is 1602. Well, the one I want to talk about is uh, Gentileschi's yeah. uh, Judith slaying Holofnes because it's brilliant. But but to put it next to it is Caravaggio's also beautiful picture. But fascinatingly, for a man who could do anything, he can't do blood. I noticed this first on his, por his medallion portrait of the head of Medusa. Which is one of the most extraordinary pieces ever made. But he can't do but blood. But he can't do blood. You're I so think right. he's, trying to, he's trying to do the action of it spurting, obviously. Yeah. But it looks like red wool. Yes, silly string. Whereas um, <laughs> Gentileschi's, uh, the, the blood is drenching the bed. It's totally realistic. It's a fantastically violent image and completely real. And, of course, it has to be, I think, massively informed by her own personal history. 
Well, she is so legendary for so many reasons. She is the female exemplar that all feminist art historians cling to, that there was this woman in the 17th century who wasn't just a woman, a token woman painter. She was damn good. She was up there beating the best of them at their game. And you know, from such a young age, yeah. she was clearly gifted. But she has a tragic life, doesn't she? Yes, she was, she was raped by her tutor, possibly another man, and then there was an understanding that they would marry, which he reneged on. And then they, but then her father, she and her father, then prosecuted him. It doesn't end brilliantly because he was found guilty, but and banished, but not didn't really do it. But it's an incredible thing. And and I think you know, you look at there's a this picture is just replete with with a, with a real sort of well, it's fury. It's fury. But the face of Judith is extremely sort of calmly determined. Yeah. Whereas if you look at the Caravaggio, the same subject, there's a there's a sort of disgust and horror yeah. in it. Uh, and the, you know, She's it, sort of looking at, I'm, I'm sort of killing it, yeah. but I really don't want yeah. to be killing him. And also, I mean, there's so many things we could say, but the composition is entirely inverted. So in this case... In the in the Caravaggio, you know, she is holding him at arm's length while she slits his throat, um, but she looks she looks horrified. She looks, but look at the proportions of the scale. Look at the size of his head yeah. compared to her. She's this diminutive little mm-hmm. little lady. Whereas you've got absolutely none of that going on in the. Yeah, well, it's 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 properly. It's the act. Look at it. There's violence in it. There's there's. It's like someone who knows what they're doing. Uh, whereas. <laughs> Uh, in the Caravaggio, she could be sort of slitting open a cantaloupe. Uh, this is Everyone like... Everyone for melon. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is absolutely Hold him down and slit his throat. It's well, it's brilliant. cutting, and, and I think you're right about the blood. The blood is the key, isn't yeah. it? Because, um, as you the say... The blood is the life. The blood is the blood is the key to unlocking this image. Because Caravaggio, legend. I mean, I love Caravaggio's work. They're... They're often some of my favourite mm. paintings in the history of art. Um, but he can't do blood. But he's also he's um, when you if if Gentiletti hadn't have made her version of this, this would be incredible and yeah. unparalleled and unbeatable. I mean, it's it's tortured. The muscle work on that is incredible. It's well structured. Uh, but the fact that she chose to engage almost in an art historical dialogue by 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 doing her own version of this story. Yeah. Makes it ten times more powerful because I, I think it's an it's an absolutely magnificent picture. It's better than the Caravaggio. You, it, it is. It is. It is it's, absolutely it's better than Caravaggio, which is something to say. Yeah. And I mean, what is so interesting is the power of the woman. Um, there is a sense in which she's getting revenge. Um, the way that the the sword cuts right the way through the neck. It is it's vengeful and passionate. Mm. But this is a woman in who in the you know, early seventeenth century had the courage to take a man to court for raping her. Yeah. Amazing. It's difficult now for women. Yes. And this is like hundreds of years ago. She's unbelievable. And then we love her other work, don't we? So um, yeah, we, she's known for the Judith, but but she's also famous for her Susanna and the Elders, mm. which has since become a bit of a meme online mm. because it's men mansplaining <laughs> to the woman who is naked and vulnerable. And I know we end up sort of putting our own modern approaches to feminism and feminist issues backwards on on the time but she seems to be doing something quite radical and feminist here well she's uh, you know Susanna is n- not happy with what the elders are proposing whereas in other versions that's it's just you know it's sort of much more 
uh, of the time, it's a sort of understanding that's what's going to happen. So you, you can't help but see it is a very different. She has a very different attitude to these subjects. Absolutely. I mean, I've, I absolutely love. I think one of the greatest things about about the history of art is 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 the idea of a of a subject being reinterpreted constantly. So any given version of the crucifixion, the deposition, the annunciation. Uh, or, or apocrypha from the Bible, you go, you can, you can look at it so many different ways, and then it inevitably feels like a product of its time, doesn't it? In a, in a, it just speaks differently. It reflects both the zeitgeist, it reflects, yeah. it reflects the society in which it's made, and the individual mind that's mm, making yeah. it. That's what's so magical mm. about it. It's both collaborative and individual mm. and unique. I mean, it goes bonkers, doesn't it? You've got sort of baby Jesus who was apparently born in a stable on a bejeweled throne with a kind of a crown on. So- well, I have a particular fondness slash horror of <laughs> of those weird fat Jesuses. Oh, they are terrifying. Baby the baby Jesuses that are just like have you ever seen a human child? <laughs> Some of the there so is a reason strange. for that though, that they couldn't actually get access to babies in a studio. It's a little bit like the fact that it's um they had to use if they were ever gonna get a female model, it would have to be a prostitute. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's it's very interesting that the babies just don't look like real babies because they're not based on real babies. Sort of, you know, <laughs> the, those those um those pictures of rhinos and th- lions before people had seen yes, them. They're Exactly. Just heard stories. <laughs> I've so, heard about yes. this thing called a baby. <laughs> it's like a little man. Yeah. <laughs> Make the man small. It's very like a little man. <laughs> Put a real man's head <laughs> on a little body yeah. and you've got a baby. <laughs> yeah, they are horrendous. Mm. Um, but I mean, we've got... They, I was intrigued by these artworks that you chose because you've you've picked... Pieces that are, are quite distant in time, I kind of thought you might be... What, what are your tastes currently going forward? I mean, obviously oh, it's all them. over, you know. So it's, it's, it just depends what, what I'm liking today, you know. And the things I'm drawn to, I love, um, I love the Impressionists and I love, uh, I love Alfred Sisley. Oh, I, I love, love Sickert. Uh, uh, I mean, some of, the, and some of the obvious ones, some of the less obvious ones, I just think... I'm just... The, the, I would say just... As a as a whole century, the period I the century I like the least is the, is the eighteenth. Oh, you have just read my. That's what I say officially. Good. To, that's what I <laughs> sadly end up saying that to my students. Yeah, can't do it. It's not that you know there are there are of course masterworks. It's just it's always the bit I sort of drift through more. I find the landscapes quite dull. Mm. Most of the mm. portraits quite stolid and static, and then. And I tell you what, but I have made a discovery recently. I, I saw a wonderful thing about Constable's sketchbook. Oh my gosh! I had a student write a PhD thesis on this, uh, on a, a dissertation on this. So uh, Constable's sketches are, all, are the antithesis of what he ends up putting on his Constable's canvas. sketchbook is impressionism. A hundred years, uh, you know, it's they're absolutely wonderful, but because they're oil sketches and they're quick. But they, they are so much everything everything else is too finished. Absolutely. And not it's not its fault. He's become genuinely chocolate boxy, jigsawy, because it's so polished but his quick sketches are like heart stopping. But they're they're, they're they're almost like photographic negatives, mm. but they're moody mm. and they're dark and yeah. then they become so saccharine when he puts them yeah. into oil. Yeah. Have you seen the V and A sketches, the big blown up ones that he does? Get to the well, I'll take, we'll go to the V and A. I'll show you them. <laughs> and that's another episode. Mm. Um we have talked for ages. We've got to let you get back to the busy, heady world of writing and creating 
go outside in the sunshine. No, there you go. Go and have, a hot, <laughs> no, go and have another ice cream, a lovely bubbly. Um, what a pleasure. I love meeting up with you. It's Thank always you. such fun. Thank you. It's been fun. lovely. I could do it all day. I know. Well, we'll have to do another one. Um, we and didn't we'll even to... get to Van Dyke. I know. Next we time. Had, that's, that's part two. Yeah. Thank you, Thank Mark. you. Thank you. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.